Well, the Miami Hurricanes just had their first scrimmage of fall camp on Saturday night, and Mario Cristobal was actually smiling afterwards. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen and your first watch today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So the Hurricanes Saturday night held their first scrimmage, full padded scrimmage of camp. And I want to note before we talk about what may or may not have happened, not only did fans not have access, media did not have access. So I was not there. We are relying on the official word from Mario Cristobal, who did a five-minute Q&A with Don Bailey Jr. shortly after scrimmage ended. University of Miami made that video available to all. We were able to share it and post it on our YouTube channel. So check us out there at Locked on Canes. And then we also rely on some of the very rare eyewitness reports from maybe some VIPs who were out there. The information is scarce, but there's definitely some good and some bad coming out. So guys, make sure you share this episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channels. Let's talk about what Mario Cristobal had to say about it in the official word. Now I mentioned Mario was smiling and I take that as a positive. He wears his emotions on his sleeve uh, I was out uh, speaking with Mario on Friday after practice, a practice we were not allowed to watch, and he was not smiling after that practice. He was visibly frustrated. He told us the team faded late in Friday's practice, meaning the tempo and the execution wasn't there. They got a little tired. They got a little careless. He wasn't thrilled with that. Uh, so he was not smiling after Friday. He was smiling after Saturday. Here's some of what Mario Cristobal had to say. High tempo, he said. They played with a high tempo on Saturday night. High pace football. He said from that aspect, they did not disappoint him. So I think that's cool. Seven practices now into it. They're really starting to get a feel for the way that Mario and his all-star staff want these guys to condition and prepare themselves. Uh, Mario did say there is progress being made, he said. He sees dividends from the strength and conditioning program. Yeah. We see the types of gains these guys are making. We see the before and after photos. We see the stats of what they're squatting and what they're benching. We know Coach Feld, who wants everyone to fill their sleeves, is doing an awesome job there. So it's nice to know the strength and conditioning program is working. Players are getting bigger and stronger. Cristobal on the execution. Execution has been something clearly has not been up to par. Since he arrived, he's been trying to improve it. He says execution is up and down. Uh, Mario added, with execution being up and down seven practices in, he says that's what most people would expect in the first week and in scrimmage one. But he said that's not what we expect. He said at Miami, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And, of course, Mario won a couple of national titles as a player was part of a national championship winning staff in 2001. He remembers very well the days when the toughest opponent Miami would ever face 
was when they faced themselves on the practice field at Green Tree. And the practices those days were always way tougher and way more grueling than the game itself. How you do anything is how you do everything, is what Mario always says. So if you practice with that sort of intensity, you're going to bring it on Saturdays at game day as well. And yeah, Cristobal kept saying to DBJ how much he emphasizes pace and intensity in new systems on both sides of the ball in this new culture they're trying to create. He says the intensity is very high. He sees players adapting, but they just aren't there yet, he said. Um, Mario says the punt protection is really good. He also added when it comes to special teams work, he said they weren't able to run very much punt return, and that's because they got so caught up running plays, and he said he got caught up a lot in red zone drills that uh, maybe they neglected certain aspects of special teams. But uh, And we talked about this on Friday. Something that Cristobal said to us Friday, the day before the scrimmage, was they wanted to run about 150 plays in the scrimmage. Now, Mario didn't specify afterwards exactly how many plays they ran, but it was if it was in that 150 neighborhood, that kept them very busy because that's a lot of plays to be running in a scrimmage. Cristobal said, and this is an important note for people like me and people like all of you who saw Miami's defense missing a lot of tackles last year, Mario said the tackling is improving. He, sped, he said specifically the angles are better. Pad level is better. Eyes are more disciplined, and we are getting guys on the ground. You know, I had a chance to speak with Hurricanes edge rusher Jafari Harvey a couple of days ago after practice, and I asked him what they are working on in terms of tackling, and he told me they are basically drilling proper form tackling constantly. Even before they were able to put pads on, they were drilling tackling they do it at practice they do it away from practice they do it while they're sleeping they do it in their spare time those are my words not his I I would imagine they're probably dreaming about tackling and they're doing it while they're sleeping and I know that that's a big point of obsession for Kevin Steele Miami's defensive coordinator he wants to really grill into these guys proper form tackling so that's the uh the primary takeaways of what Mario had to say to Don Bailey Jr. after practice was over um Cristobal is the type he's never going to be fully pleased with anything like you're not going to come away from any practice and you know he's he's a little bit like he's a more cheerful version of Nick Saban who he worked for at one point Saban is the same way like you're never going to get Nick Saban it could be the biggest victory of his life and how many national titles has that dude won you're never going to talk to Nick Saban right after a big accomplishment and him be like you know what I am completely satisfied. Life is great. Everything is perfect. No, he's going to talk about all the other work that they need to do to get even better and all the recruiting work they need to do to get even better. Mario Cristobal is the same way. He always, and he says this, he sets his goals so high that they're basically impossible to reach. Now, I'm not saying that I think Miami went out there and had a perfect scrimmage last night. Absolutely not. I mean, people ask me all the time, Dono, is the U back? And I say, no, they're not back. They're on the way back. It takes work. It takes grind. Nobody's going to tell you that the U is back. You've got to see it. When they win another national championship, that's when you're going to know the U is back. So progress is being made, but Cristobal has been saying it throughout camp so far, and he said it last night. Progress is being made, but they are not there yet, and there is still a lot of work to do. So 
I want to get to, and you want to make sure you guys stick around because we have a lot still to come on this Sunday special episode of Locked on Canes. Some of the things that we are hearing about what happened at the scrimmage last night, which of course is a very important moment here preseason because these scrimmages, I believe they're going to have three of them. They're going to go a long way into deciding playing time, into answering questions about the depth chart. You know, you don't have preseason in college football, so this is as close as we're going to get to that into really answering some of these questions about who's going to stand out and who's going to carve out playing time for themselves. So we will talk about more of the reported details from that scrimmage last night right after we talk about the great people at LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people to take your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Guys, I have found jobs through LinkedIn Jobs. And if you're a small business owner, you can find great people like me to hire. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's a lot of people. Small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So here's the skinny on some of the things that went down last night in the scrimmage. And I tried, I really tried to like narrow this down to reliable stuff. So I want to thank a couple of the good people that I talked to about this. Um, Also, there is some interesting stuff on some of the websites and message boards out there. Uh, canesport.com is one of the sources that I looked at canesinsight.com so to people out there like the uh, the Gary Furmans of the world who are doing good work trying to uh, to uncover some of what may or may not happen on Saturday night we appreciate you so yeah I I have uh, heard coming out of last night's scrimmage the defensive line really dominated at points on the line of scrimmage Obviously, that's a double-edged sword because who they were dominating was our offensive line, but a specific name that we heard looked really, really good in the scrimmage is Akeem Mesidor, the transfer D-lineman, very versatile guy, can play three technique, defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, apparently, Akeem Mesidor looked really, really good, and I think he's going to be a major piece to Miami's defensive line this year. Uh, and even though, like the defensive line, you know, won most of the battles against the O line, it's not to say that certain players on the O line didn't play really well. Heard some good feedback, feedback specifically on Jalen Rivers, who I've been told we do not pump up enough. So my apologies. I like Jalen Rivers a lot. We should talk about him more. And Jakai Clark hearing that the two of them did really, really well on the offensive line. Um, You guys have probably heard this. If you really have done some digging on the scrimmage, uh, I caught wind of this as well, that there's been some buzz that there were a lot of dropped passes by Miami's receivers in the scrimmage. It's a little discouraging to hear that. It sounds a lot like the spring game, right? You remember how many drop passes in the spring game? It got people really worried about the wide receiver core. Um, 
his from everything that I understand coming out of the scrimmage, Tyler Van Dyke looked excellent. Like Tyler Van Dyke is the real deal, looks like the real deal, will continue to be the real deal, but uh, would have put up probably godlike numbers in the scrimmage if not for some drop passes. So apparently TVD is definitely not the problem there. Um, you know, as, as far as receivers, though, did hear good things about specific guys like Xavier Restrepo, who I think his hands will be very reliable, is going to catch a lot of balls this year. And Keyshawn Smith, I heard, had a really good scrimmage as well. Um, I, I didn't see Jacoby George's name specifically brought up. We know he's had some very good moments in fall practice. You know, maybe for whatever reason, he didn't stand out in the scrimmage, but he's having a good camp so far. Um, so, Apparently the offense made some big plays early on and then the defense really took over after that. And, you know, it's, it's normal. It's normal this time of year for the defense to be ahead of the offense. That's usually what kind of falls into place first, as far as consistency. And I'm here for it, especially since, you know, you look at last season, most of the tight games that Miami lost, the offense wasn't, the problem the defense was the problem last year so if the defense is showing clear improvement and with the type of talent they've had injected through the transfer portal and through a couple of true freshmen we're going to talk about who I think can make a big impact the first year um, I'm actually happy to hear that the defense is ahead of the offense because the defense I think just needs more work coming out of last year than the offense and if you're going to have new kids on the block like Mesidor and, you know, Agude, and if Moultrie comes in and has a big year, and Daryl Porter in the defensive backfield, and Johnson at linebacker, you know, if, if these impactful transfers you brought in, and um, Daryl Jackson, I don't forget about him either. I think he may be more of a long-term thing, but maybe he can make an impact right away that, you know, if, if you can revamp that defense through coaching and transfer portal, and you already have talent, of course, Leonard Taylor, James Williams, Avante Williams, Cam Kinchin. There's a lot of talent there on that defense. But if they can actually put it all together, if they're ahead of the offense right now, I'm cool with that because I think the defense needs more than the offense needs coming out of last year. It's going to be a different look on the offense. I think the running game is going to be a lot better than it was last year. But the defense needed more work. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, something that you guys may have caught wind of, uh, from what I understand, this is nothing to worry about. But there were some some rumors trickling out last night that, you know, something injury wise happened to Travante Citizen. I've heard he's he's fine. I think he, you know, maybe had uh, what looked like an issue on the field or a big hit that he took on the field. But that uh, that that all is well. So, you know, football is a contact sport, right? Sometimes you're going to take a big hit or you may, you know, think something's off of the player injury wise and. I think he's going to be okay. And, yeah, we know Miami's backfield is loaded. Trevante Citizen, the true freshman, I think he's going to play – could play a starring role or a co-starring role in the season. You know, Don Chaney coming back from a knee injury. He's looked really good. He's looked healthy. You know, we know what Jalen Knighton can do. Henry Parrish had a great couple of years at Ole Miss. Thad Franklin is a thumper. That guy's going to be a short yardage specialist this season, I think. So there's there's a lot to be excited about in the running back court as well. So those are some of the details that we've been monitoring coming out of the scrimmage last night. And hey, if, if Mario was smiling, I'm smiling about it. 
I want to answer a few questions on Q&A when we come back. And, you know, a lot of times when we do questions and answers from our listeners and from our YouTube comments, and by the way, we're taking Q&A all the time at our show Twitter. You can reach us at Locked on Canes. Tweet to us at Locked on Canes. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. If you tweet to us, chances are we're going to answer your tweet either on Twitter or even on the shows. Uh, we usually talk about like people who are super bullish and positive about the program. We've actually got a couple of negative questions and comments though that I want to address on this one. I thought we'd change it up because you know so much positivity on this show. Sometimes we want to let people try at least attempt to bring us back down to earth. So we're going to get to that. But let's talk about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. BetOnline where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day, available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So I I picked out, I cherry-picked a few good questions from our YouTube comments and from Twitter. Uh, So Ronnie on the Sticks sent us a YouTube comment that says, our D-line is weak. He said, A&M is going to spread us out and run up the gut. Um, The Aggies were a good running team last year. Um, 183 rushing yards per game in the SEC. It's no no cheap accomplishment. Good running team last year. Uh, Just for reference, Miami running the football. Now, you know, it was more of a pass-heavy offense for Miami, and they had a ton of running back injuries. But Miami averaged just 127 rushing yards per game as opposed to the Aggies who average 183 rushing yards per game. But I mean, he uses words like us in here. AM is going to spread us out and run up the gut. Are you sure you're a Miami fan? Like, are you sure when you talk about our D line being weak, are you sure you can then use the word us to describe the hurricanes? Because dude, I, I don't know what D-line you've been following, but I wouldn't call it weak when we have people like the aforementioned Mesidor, who's having a great fall camp, Leonard Taylor, who really came on towards the end of last season. I think the guy can be a monster. Uh, I really like Jared Harrison Hunt. Jafari Harvey, uh, I think, is going to have a nice season. You've added Agude, Moultrie, Lichtenstein is another guy from the transfer portal that I didn't mention earlier who came in uh, from USC. Jordan Miller looks really, really strong and ready to go this year. Again, I mean, I our D-line is weak compared to what? Like, okay, maybe if you compare us to Clemson's D-line or Alabama's or Georgia's D-line, maybe we could have a conversation about that. But uh, I, I don't I think Miami's D-line is going to be one of the strengths of the team and not one of the weaknesses of the team. I think if Texas A&M is going to spread us out and run up the gut, uh, I think you would have to, if that were to happen, that would probably be one of those things where if they've worn out Miami and kind of broken us into the second half, then you might start to see some of that. So that's why that's why Cristobal is emphasizing the constant grind and the tempo and the pace and the cardio 
Uh, you know, we just have to hope that by September 17th, Miami has developed the sort of consistency where they're not going to break physically or mentally late in games. Because I do think Miami is going to be sharp stopping the run early in the Texas A&M game. If they can keep it close and keep energized, I think they can keep stopping the run throughout. So um, I don't know what you're talking about saying our D-line is weak. I mean, if you if you wanted to say our O-line is weak, I would disagree with that also. But you would maybe have a stronger point than saying our D-line is weak. Uh, John Pavlich who I don't know if he's an Oregon fan or a Gator fan or a Seminole fan. He's definitely not a Miami fan. But John Pavlich left us a YouTube comment that says, Mario can recruit, but he can't coach a lick. We're going to find out, right? I mean, I, I hear a lot of Oregon fans, for example, who were really sad when Mario left. But then as soon as he left, they're like, you know what? This guy sucks anyway. Like, I, you hear a lot. You hear a lot of that rational. Like, Mario, don't leave. Phil, not Phil, Mr. Knight, cut him a check. Cut him a blank check. Just write, write all the zeros. Just write a million zeros. Let's pay this guy a trillion dollars so he doesn't leave us. We don't want him to go to Miami. Then he left. It's like, ah, oh, I'm so glad he's gone. Oh, this guy was terrible. This guy can't call a timeout to save his life. This guy doesn't know how to manage a clock. Oh, I'm so glad he's gone. It's a weird rationalization thing that people do. Um, you know, there there have been some criticisms about Cristobal as a game day coach. Um, I think when it comes to actually preparing teams to play practice regimens and or we know he can recruit, as the commenter even said, no one really no one with a brain would debate that. But I mean, as far as preparation, surrounding himself with great assistant coaches, um, we will see. Right. I mean. Come November, if we've lost a couple of games because Mario didn't use a timeout properly or something, then, okay, we can revisit this conversation. But uh, I, I think he can coach a lick, to answer your comment. I think he can. You say he can't coach a, li a lick. I think he can coach. I think he can coach two licks. How about that? Uh, Ernst says, and this is not really a negative, actually. This is just something I think everybody should be talking more about. Ernst says to us, why is nobody talking about Cyrus Moss, except for you sometimes, you being me? So, okay, thank you. I guess you're happy that we talk about Cyrus Moss sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I would love to talk more about Cyrus Moss once the season starts, because I think he's going to be a great player. He was the six-ranked edge rusher in the country in the class of 2022, a big get for Miami. I thought he had a really nice spring, great spring game, good fall so far. Uh, I think with Cyrus Moss, the only, you know, knock that people have on him, which is a temporary thing, he's just a little small and skinny right now. I mean, he's got great height. What is he, like six five six six? but he's only 220. Um, you know, people want him to get to – and he, he may have already put on some weight. Exactly. I, I don't know what his current stats are at this point after being with Coach Feld for several months now, but – I think everyone just wants Cyrus Moss to get to like 240, 245, and then he'll essentially be a perfect pass rusher. There's a ton of talent there. And I think one of the other reasons why people don't talk about Cyrus Moss as much is, you know, he's in the same class with Nigelik Kelly, who just Nigelik just looks more ready to make an impact right now because he's already got the sort of girth, size, and muscle that we want Cyrus Moss to develop. So I think Nigelik offseason steals a little bit of his shine we're going to find out in season which guy makes the bigger impact because i think they're both going to be really good i'm very bullish on the future of both of those guys 
Uh, I want to send a shout out to a friend of the show, one of our awesome listeners and viewers, Thanos, who's at King Cage Swift on Twitter. He's a big fan of the Hurricanes and the Baltimore Ravens. And like he has sent us a bunch of questions over the last couple months. And just for whatever reason, I hadn't given him a shout out on the show yet. So I wanted to give King Cage Swift a shout out now. And Dude, I don't know if uh, if you, Thanos, and, and the rest of you have uh, have found allhurricanes.com yet, which is the Sports Illustrated Miami page, which I contribute to, videos and written pieces. I just debuted on Saturday, I think it came out, my first mailbag. I do a weekly mailbag question and answer feature, and so... Uh, Thanos, if if you if you miss that, I answer one of your questions in my uh, All Hurricanes mailbag. So I gave you a shout out there. Now I'm giving you a shout out here. And he asked us, is Texas A&M really that much better than Miami? Because Texas A&M is almost a double digit favorite in the betting line for Miami, Texas A&M on uh, on September 17th. And to answer your question, like I, I can understand why Texas A&M is favored in the game and why they probably should win the game. But I don't think they're nine or ten points better than Miami on paper, right? I think that people are, are probably undervaluing Miami and overvaluing Texas A&M a bit. I know they're a tough team to beat at College Station, um, and obviously, if you do the like the the football math, Texas A&M beat Alabama last year. Alabama destroyed Miami last year. I think that comes into it a little bit for people, but. It's not like Texas A&M is unbeatable at home. Didn't they lose to Mississippi State on their home field last year? Um, I think Miami has improved enough. They can keep it really close and have an opportunity to win that game. Uh, last one I want to answer. Uh, this is really a comment, not a question. It's from Shane the Cane. He said this about Tyler Van Dyke. I hear from some people in the know that TVD is a pretty smart kid. Ken, Do He's like Ken Dorsey. But bigger guns, meaning arms, and faster, more mobile. It would be awesome if TVD's receivers end up being as good as the ones Dorsey had. Uh, Ken Dorsey was was special. Like We're yet to find out if Tyler Van Dyke is as special as Ken Dorsey was. But listen, Ken Dorsey, you're right. He didn't have Tyler Van Dyke's arm, didn't have TVD's legs or athleticism. But Dorsey, tremendously smart ball placement, anticipation, and he was an absolute leader. I think TVD can be all of those things as well, but Dorsey proved that over a longer period of time. But yeah, a, a big difference there, no question. A big difference, supporting cast, right? I mean, I like some of these receivers Miami has right now, but I'd be foolish to expect another Andre Johnson or Reggie Wayne or Santana Moss to be running through that door. Those were just, you know, lightning in a bottle generational type of talent and like T Tyler Van Dyke also has like a really good tight end room but does he have a Jeremy Shockey caliber or a Kellen Winslow Jr. caliber in that tight end room right now I don't think he does so that was just special generational talent so uh, I, I think TVD can have an awesome year um, and if he does end up winning a national title like Ken Dorsey did not going to be anyone on planet earth happier about that than me I think some of you will be as happy as I am. No one will be happier than I am about that. So that'll do it for today's episode. Um, hopefully we get more information throughout the coming week about what happened in the scrimmage. Uh, you know, Cristobal is going to have media availability throughout the week. 
know, he's going to be asked about it. We'll see what he has to say. Uh, I'm happy he was smiling, though, after yesterday. We will talk to you guys again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.